Hello and welcome to The View from the Ninian. I'm Scott Salter and we've got a great podcast ahead for you today. Two games this week from Cardiff City, two very different performances and results. A dismal display against Red in a 3-0 loss on Sunday. Before getting back to winning in ways, turning it on in front of the Sky Cameras once again in Wednesday night's win against Huddersfield. We're reflecting on both of those games as well as looking forward to the weekend's game against Blackburn. I'm joined today by Ben Price and Gareth Baker. And we're also getting the opposition view from Ryan Hildred from the Rovers chat. Enjoy. Well, two really great guests this week. And I'm joined by Ben Price and Gareth Baker. How are you both? Not too bad, buddy. How's it going? Yeah, Thank not too bad. Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Perfect. You said two good guests there, but I wouldn't really say that much about Ben Price. But yeah, <laughs> oh, it's harsh. <laughs> started already. It started already. Twitter, the Twitter beef is getting carried over to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm gonna have to play a bit of referee here this week, boys. Well, we'll get going. It's right into. Uh, we'll start part one, looking at that three nil loss to to Red, and obviously two two games since uh, since the last podcast, and quite differing stories and. And Ben, you know, that Reading loss was, it's early in the season, but it, it was slightly worrying, wasn't it? It was. It was sort of, it's hard to describe just how disappointing that performance was. It's not what you expect from City. We expect, at the very least, even if we don't, even if we lose, we sort of, you always like coming away thinking, oh, at least they gave it a good go. There was a lot of players there that I really don't think gave it the go that they should have. It was some really, really poor performances all around, to be honest. Um, yeah, it was just sloppy. It was lazy. There was no urgency. Um, I know the loss of pack really sort of pulled things out, but I just can't. I just cannot work out what went wrong. You do not expect that from a Neil Warnock team. Well, I, I can't, I can, mate. It was just complete no imagination, no desire at all, plain and simply, you know. And I, th- I, I think that was a knock-on effect to all areas of our team from defence to attack. The defending was especially appalling. You know, even Warnock mentioned in his press conference, and I quote, it doesn't matter if you're playing under 13s or in the Premier League. When you defend like that, like we have been, you you lose games. And we were we were diabolical. We made George Puskas look like Lionel Messi. You know, Warnock obviously mentioned he tried to sign him. Why that fell through and he went to red, I don't know. But yeah, it was a terribly lacklustre display and do you know what I was in the away end and it was so toxic by the final whistle and it wasn't it wasn't nice to be around I can imagine and Ben if there's one thing like you said of a Neil Warnock side it's effort but also defensively solid you know we may leave a bit to the imagination going forward at times but defensively we're always solid and that just to be fair so far this season that that hasn't been the case but definitely against Reading it was evident yeah, definitely. There's just no communication. It seems like Flint and Morrison, I know they haven't played much together, but they seem total strangers. There's no pace between the two. If a quick striker gets ahead of them, it's just a world of trouble. Um, Bennett seemed to forget he was a defender at times, just lost position. I don't know if he was told to man-mark a player. That's why he was pulled out so much. Uh, Bakuna at right back just didn't work. Nelson... I thought did all right for his first appearance, but isn't someone that I think you want to see playing week in, week out in the championship, especially as not like not preferred position of right back. It was just the defence was a mess. The midfield did nothing to help out. Um, it was just, yeah, it's just disorganised. There's a lack of communication. As soon as Pack went off and we lost the leader on the pitch, it just went horribly wrong. And Becky, you mentioned that, that you were there and in the away end, it almost got a little bit toxic what was the the feeling amongst there were people starting to grow a bit discontent against Warnock against the side the effort what was what was going on to be honest I didn't really hear that many uh shouts against Warnock you know there were a few on social media yeah I know but there's a few of everything on social media John I mean like no matter what there's people on social media probably think Lionel Messi's a terrible player but you know in the away end you know no one was really calling for Warnock's head I think everyone was pretty much ready to charge the pitch and kick Bakuna in the face or something because <laughs> it was the worst 
performance I have seen live from a player for a very long time. Very long time. And I said to my mates, it was just, it's just the worst performance of a City player since J. Lloyd Samuel against Reading. Do you know what, Ben? That's weird, mate, because I said exactly the same to my mate. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I had a Man United fan who just happened to come up with me. He went on the home end, weirdly, and yeah, when I said, what did you think? In fact, I didn't actually ask what he thought because I was so embarrassed, but he said, who was your number seven? Because he should not be playing football. So, <laughs> and yeah, let's not was forget very, the was... Reading fans were delighted to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That speaks volumes, Tommy. I can, see, I can see why. My yeah. mate's a Reading fan, and I sort of, I tried to be really optimistic with science. I was like, oh, you never know. Warnock's clearly got a plan. There's something about him. There's a squad mm. player come in. He's going to do something. But, oh, my God. Just, yeah. How? It's so bad, mate. It's I, I, the the worst part about it is we signed him when we were in the Premier League as well. If we signed him now when we we're in the Championship, I'd be disappointed. Um, but as Ben said, with Warnock getting the best out of players, you know, I was I was quite op- optimistic about him. But I just cannot see even how Warnock can get the best out of him. He was diabolical. I think the the worst thing, and you know, like most of us don't like to to hit on players too much. But the worst thing for me is that he's got the number seven shirt. Yeah, <laughs> when it was announced at the start of the season, he got that shit. I was just, I was stunned. <laughs> but but you, never, you never know; it will spur him on. It'll get, it'll encourage him to get the best out of him. He'll step up to Wits level, sort of, and become that next sort of inspiration. But what? nah, Bakuna. I, I was optimistic, mate. Possibly drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell, mate. <laughs> Speaking of wits, I mean, we'll come on to the Huddersfield game later, but there was a moment in the game last night where it was when um, Omar Bogle hit that, that free kick and him and um, uh, Bakuna were stood over it. And I saw number seven stood over a free kick and straight away my head went, Peter Whitlam's back. And then I re- realised it was Bakuna and I was like, oh, no. no Peter Whittingham is currently pissed in a pub in Barry somewhere. Yeah, he's oh. at the park, always at the park. You probably still do a better job than Bakuna as well. <laughs> yeah. It'd be more work rate. <laughs> and, you know, Marlon Pack was really important in our in our win against Luton and, and really impressed, but obviously was doing okay against Red and then came off injured and, and it looks like he'll be out for, for quite a few weeks. And Is that the turning point, Ben, when the game fell apart, do you think? Oh, definitely. It just, everything unraveled from there. Um, I don't know. It's not like he was, it's not like it was going amazingly well before he went off. Let's make that clear. But there was some sort of, there was a bit of sturdiness at the back. The second he went off, the shape went, the communication went, and it just crumbled from there. It really, really sort of, I've n- not seen a knock on like that for a while from Cardiff fans, uh, from Cardiff players, and in losing such a player. And it worries me how players become that important after what 110 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, Ben said there that. You know, once Pack went off, the the communication went, and like I said, the players come so important after just over a hundred minutes. And does that put into question? Do you think Sean Morrison as as a leader, and if Pack is the communicator, and once he's gone off, that kind of leadership and organization organization's gone? Surely that's what Sean Morrison's there for. No, I I don't agree with that. I think Sean Morrison's a great captain. He's one of those players who suits the armband. Do you know I mean? Um, I, I think, as Ben pointed out earlier, there was a lack of communication in the whole team. You know, whether Pack is really that vital right now, um, maybe he is. If it, if, it, if it is, it's worrying. But can you, do you expect Morrison to be organised in the midfield? Um, defensively, maybe. But I think there is a lack of communication throughout the whole the whole team. And yeah, it was terrible when Pack went off. And you know, we were worse off without him, but I would not be questioning Sean Morrison's captaincy, no. no. I think the leadership is from all around. Morrison's clearly, there's more to being a captain of a football club than just being a leader on the pitch. I think, yes, that's a really important role, but he's got other players that have sort of done that in the promotion season round. It's sort of, I know Nathan Blake banged on about it all the time on his podcast about how on the pitch, uh, Bamba's the, the captain, but it is the case of you need more than one leader on the pitch, especially in modern football. That's what Gunnison did well. That's why we improved so dramatically when he came back into the squad. Um, why we did well with Ben Turner and um, Hudson, the centre-backs, both of them were leader, were strong personalities. Um, you don't seem to get that so much from the other players around him. You can't imagine Bennett barking at someone. You don't see 
Flint as that sort of, while he'll talk, he's not the most inspiring of leaders. I think Peltier is someone that should be doing it. He seems to have that sort of influence, seems to have that aura, but sometimes get it doesn't happen. I don't know why. Um, and then again, in midfield, who's going to do it there? Joe Rawls is a great player. He's really impressed me so far this season, but he's a quiet lad. You're not expecting him to lead and sort of bark orders. Well, That's... to be honest, I, I, I would expect him to be, you know, like I know you're saying about him being a quiet lad. I see his interviews on like Cardiff City TV and all that. He doesn't seem that quiet, like as much as he used to be. When Pack went off, you want the other central midfielder to be kind of picking up the slack and organising the midfield. And I risk having torches outside my house window by saying this, but we should really be looking at Rawls' lack of leadership in midfield. If Pack goes off, you can't be expecting Sean Morrison to be doing that, and certainly not Bakuna. But That's yeah, I can shark. see what I can see what you mean with Rawls, Ben. Definitely, like um, he is a quiet lad, but that's inexcusable really because when players like Pat go off you need him to be stepping up to the plate if it doesn't beg a question of, of Sean Morrison like you said does it beg a question of, of how this team has has been built in the, the summer transfer window because I think a lot of us concentrated on the quality we lost in the summer particularly in centre midfield with Camaras and Arta going back on loan and Gunnarsson leaving but suddenly it seems like a lot of leadership and Vocal players has gone. If you look at the kind of team at stages last season and the season before, Etheridge is quite vocal. Obviously, we talk about Morrison, Bamba, mm. um, Arta in midfield, Gunnarsson, mm-hmm. Patterson while he's playing. All of a sudden, it, there's there's that big big gap. You know, you've got players like Glatzel's obviously not going to be particularly vocal, just coming in. Tomlin doesn't strike me as the most uh, vocal in terms of a leadership point of view. You know, Josh Murphy isn't. Gavin White's not going to be so suddenly the, you know the, if you look at the team last night for example there's a huge gap there no definitely I think um, Arta was great in that respect I think I think him signing for Fulham you know it had the foam at most of Cardiff fans mouths to me like as a player he is definitely without a doubt one of the best midfielders in this league um, but you know I would prefer Rawls all day in terms of football ability it's just as you said there um, we have we do miss a lot of vocalness in our team. Um, a- again, you mentioned summer transfers, leaving Manga go, leaving Arta go, well, not leaving and go, but not at least convincing him to sign. Camaraz was always going to go, but letting Bobby Reed go as well. You know, these are all players we could have done with starting or at least having in depth. And you know, I think it's, there is an adjustment <sighs> period. You've got that. Premier League hangover and you've also got a lot of new faces in the team and it'll come I do think it'll come and um, you know I I think it's it's a huge blow having Pack out now for two months because we've lost that leader in midfield my Bristol City supporting mate couldn't believe they let him go to be honest but now's the time for Joe Rawls to step up because I see him as a future Cardiff captain yeah I, I agree to accept and you know, Rawls is really, I think, on the playing side, maybe not the leadership yet, but has really stepped up this season against Reading. He showed again his importance and you know, completed more passes than any other player on the pitch. Um, and if Cardiff were going to make something happen against Reading, they obviously didn't, but it did look like it was going to come from Joe Rawls, Ben. Yeah, um, he's really stepped up. He's sort of filling, Not qu- he's not quite the same player as Whittingham, but he's sort of, Becoming that sort of midfield maestro that you want, that we've always thought he could be, since he came into the squad. What was it, the Malky Mackay's first season when he first came in? We've all sort of seen him in that role. He's really sort of stepping up, scoring goals, not just from penalties, but free rate uh, in open play as well is something. Both feet uh, scoring with now as well. Um, he's really impressed me. There's still stuff he can do better. I think definitely he's a, he's the most senior player in the squad. He should be looking to be more of a sort of leader on the pitch. And um, silly fouls. Um, given away a couple of those. He's, I think he definitely picked up that habit from Wits. There's definitely room to improve, but so far he's probably been the best player of the season. And Baker, I think I read earlier you said that you would expect Rawls to almost get in double figures this year for goals. I think, you know, um, I've he's been our best player in every league game so far, but he's also our best player against Nice in pre-season. So that's four consecutive games now where he's been the best player on the pitch. He scored against Nice. You know, he scored against Wigan. He scored um, against Huddersfield. That's three goals, or well, two goals, league goals. But yeah, I, I generally think that um, 
he could get he could be that kind of Whitnam centre midfielder who does get on the score sheet more. I think he's always had that in his locker those goals. Even like Ben mentioned there, the, his first season. I remember that goal against Hull. Oh, Wildy. Yeah, and he's always had that in his locker. It's just he's been, you know, quite raw even up until possibly the Premier League. You know, he was he was a bit inconsistent last season but it, he, at times he showed quality even in that league he and really I think, came to his own in the second half didn't he yeah. really the second half of the yeah, season definitely. was really he sort of wised up he got dropped rightfully especially after the sort of red card he picked up against Spurs mm-hmm. and since then he's really gone on I think one of the players that's really going to benefit from playing in the Premier League last year is going to be Rolls for us definitely and you know he, to be, to play well again in in that team against Reading you know, he was a rose amongst a pile of turds, really. Like, there's <laughs> it, no other way to put it. If he can play that well in a team that bad, uh, sorry, performing that badly, then I can, I can definitely see him getting 10-plus goals this year. And I think one of the things to, to remember is he's only just 25, so while he's kind of entering his, his prime, he's still been quite a young player at, at Cardiff. Obviously, he's one of the longest... Is he the longest serving now? He's the longest, longest serving, longest yeah. Serving. Joined us in, in 2011, so... you know, Nearly 200 games now. Yeah, absolutely. So he, he's getting that experience, entering his prime, and he, he's really starting to show that now. And so kind of going, looking going forward as well, we, we've talked about rules, but Baker, what, what, being at the game, what were the, the problems going forward? And looking at one of the stats kind of... You know, Reading players made 50 clearances across game. That was the most of any team in any game from the championship so far. To me, I didn't actually manage to to watch the game, but to me, that suggests Cardiff were were kind of trying to pump it into the box a lot and and kind of going long rather than trying to build in, into play. Is that fair? What what would your assessment be? It was it was just no creativity, mate. Is 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 it's kind of, it's it's a weirdly simple game to kind of analyse our faults because. Um, when we were going forward, we just never. It was, you, you know, when you watch a team play and it's frustrating to watch, and you think, "Why aren't you trying more to score?" It was almost like that. It was like we were getting into the final third, and nobody was making those clever runs. Uh, nobody wanted to make any risk because after that uh, Puskas goal, it was like everyone was a bit afraid, and yeah. you know, people were getting on the players' backs a bit. And I think at one point, Mendes Lang put in one of the worst crosses I've ever seen uh, since I saw Bebe play for Man United. And, you know, (laughs) you could see that he was like, he just stood there and he looked deflated because he could hear the fans getting on his back. So, you know, again, it's that toxic atmosphere, the lack of creativity, I think, and desire is what causes that. I don't think as a fan base, we are toxic. But any fans who see that lack of determination and desire to win a game are going to get that restless. I think it's been a Cardiff thing, though, isn't it? We'll never rip on someone for trying. I think you said something today on Twitter about whether players... Do do we give some players who try a lot... Do we give them a sort of free pass to be players? But um, it's just... There was just a lack of effort. And I think we look back and we see that Mendes wasn't fit. That sort of, I think, added to the frustration. But there was just a lack of effort all around from the squad, and that's where the fans get annoyed. Yeah, like, definitely. And like we said, that's that's quite unlike a, a Neil Warnock side. And, and you know, I bet he was he was best pleased with that. And kind of looking at um, Terry Phillips's kind of player ratings from the from the game. Obviously, Smithies he gave man of the match of the six. The majority were were at four and and fives. So and one player who got rated a five, and I'm sure. If I remember from our kind of view from the Indian group chat earlier in the week, you two had some interesting uh, opinions on on Joe Bennett. So, Big, we'll start with you. What, what did you make of Bennett's performance against Reading? Yeah, well, I got a bit of heat on Twitter for standing for Bennett, but I think I kind of got misunderstood. Really, like coincidentally, it was in reply to Ben here's tweet who <laughs> gave him a three out of ten for some reason, but named him as the worst player on the pitch. The thing is, no, I gave Pakuna two. Oh, did you? Well, yeah. yeah, that's fair enough. But Bennett, <laughs> you know, the thing is, I was in that away end and I was pissed off as much as anyone else. And the most frustrating part of the game, as we've kind of said now, was we lack no creativity whatsoever going forwards. Multiple multiple times we pass the ball around our attack and then all of a sudden we're, we're like playing around in defence again. 
because we just we were too afraid to penetrate their defence. Um, for me, Bennett was one of the only players who had the courage to run with the ball, try and get past the players, and put a few crosses, uh, great crosses in as well. So yes, he was to blame for the first goal, and some say the second, which I don't personally agree with. But I don't believe for one second that a fallback of his quality, primarily quality, I I believe because he was great last season. I don't believe a player of his quality would be not asked that much to cover his area. He was clearly, I think he was told to get forward as much as possible and that leaves you vulnerable. I had a completely non-biased Man United support mate, as I said earlier, who was with me that day and even he said Bennett was our only decent player going forward. So I just think that people are being really unfair on him. Like when you're at the game and you're part of that toxic atmosphere because no one's trying to score or do anything and then you've got Bennett trying his hardest to do that, then that's admirable in a way. But yeah, I just think um, he didn't deserve a five, but he didn't deserve like a seven or something. I just think, you know, a five out of ten would have been fair. And he definitely didn't deserve Ben's three, in your opinion. Absolutely not. I think it's just (laughs) like, you know, Bakuna's definitely deserves a two. I think that's like another criticism of Ben's ratings was that it was pretty generous. But someone (laughs) someone asked if I missed the minus sign off that score, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, ben, exactly. talk us through your your three for Bennett, and do you agree with with what Baker's saying there? I think he's got some fair points. I think the crossing and getting forward, Bennett was one of the better players, but he deserves to be marked down just for leaving the defence so exposed. The fir- the first two goals do not happen if he's in position where he should be. I know he's under instruction to get forward a bit more and try and create something, but there was basic mistakes from Bennett where he was pulled out of position just too much that left that space there yes for the first goal Volk should be a lot stronger for the second goal Flint get, letting that bloke get in front of him is embarrassing but they the ball doesn't come in the the goal the threat doesn't happen if Bennett's where he should be but do um, you think right Ben sorry to interrupt me do you think Warnock right the kind of manager is the cutthroat manager that he is if he hadn't give Bennett instructions to get that much forward and leave that space completely free I think he expected Volks to be covering him or one of the centre midfielders when he gets forward. Do you think he would have been in that team against Huddersfield if Warnock thinks he let in two games, uh, two goals in? Um, yeah, purely because I don't think we've got the options. I think if Cunningham wasn't on loan or with another left-back, actually not left-back, I know there was Kieran Brown on the bench who can play there. I think if we had another first-team left-back in, in the squad, he quite possibly could have been dropped. Um, I think Volks was rightly hammered for being so weak on the first goal and he, obviously there there is instructions for sentiment sentiment fielders to get back and cover uh we saw it um against Huddersfield Bakuna um covering Peltier at right back a couple of times when Peltier sort of um went forward but it was just like I said he just really disappointed me in his defensive duties he's a defender first and foremost and he really did not perform as a defender on uh at the Reading game on Sunday He's just going forward. There was nothing wrong. His balls. I think you're saying a couple of great crosses. I think there's probably one or two. The rest weren't spectacular. But then again, he had no one to aim for. Um, Glatzel was isolated, and there was no one else coming to support him. But I just, he really, really, I rate Bennett as well. I always have. I think since we've had him, I didn't think anyone could take my heart like Fabio did. But Bennett sort of covered, <laughs> done well to sort of fill that void a little bit. But he's just. He, he that was his worst game for Cardiff against Reading. I I don't think, mate, Warnock is that stupid of a manager, right? That he would leave himself for the whole season with only one left back option. You know, if if he was that bad, and if he was to you know, to blame that much, I, Warnock's the kind of guy who'd put bloody Vassell at left back if he if Bennett <laughs> had that bad of a game. Do you know what I mean? But we've got. You know, players like Pelcher, he, I've seen him play left-back before. You know, you, you could even argue but uh, Morrison could fit into that. If I'm not saying Morrison is a good left-back or anything, and Kieran Brown obviously can play left-back. I, th- I don't think that Warnock believes that Bennett had that bad of a game, otherwise he wouldn't have started against Huddersfield, personally. I, genuinely th- I, I do think if Jazz Richards was fit, then he'd be playing left-back. He'd have played left-back against uh, Huddersfield. I really do think... He was one of the players that let the side down, not doing his job. He got forward well. I'm not going to deny that. Tried to create a couple of bits. But again, for me, it was just the defensive side of it. He really, really cost us. There was other players as well, like Flint. But he really cost us defensively. 
Um, his passing wasn't great either at, at the back. Going forward, looked was better. But I just, yeah, he was just one of those players. It really stood out for me. Just a poor game for him. I disagree, but I think Bennett's passing was fine. Like you look at, I know you, you mentioned earlier Curtis Nelson. Like yeah, I don't think he made a single pass the whole game. You've got Vaux, who's equally as terrible at passing. Everyone was terrible that game, and I, to single Ben out, in my opinion, mate, it's it's just harsh. I think it's harsh because yeah, like it's probably because I hold him to could, a height because he's such a good player. I probably hold him to yeah, a mate, higher standard. Yeah, I can it understand probably is that. that, which is why I sort of I sort of got a bit of flack last night for giving White a bit of praise. Well, not praise, but not hammering him in when I sort of put my scores out for yes uh, for the Huddersfield game. Um, it's just a case of I probably hold other players to a higher standard if you're marking on a level playing field which probably I'm not a journalist I'm not going to do that I'm just going to give my honest opinion um, but how I felt the players did if we were marking on a level playing field probably does get high in the three but I felt there's a better that is was his worst performance for Cardiff and he's a lot better than what he did against Reading I think if you go into go through the effort of making player ratings which is obviously great there shouldn't be hidden agendas behind the ratings. Everyone should just be judged by how they played. So you say Gavin White there, you know, I, I won't say about it now because I'm sure Scott's going to bring it up in a bit. Yeah. But, um, you know, people want to praise new players a lot more just because they're new. But you've got to just judge it on the face of how they're playing. And to say you're going to criticise Bennett more because he's you know, you expect better of him. It's harsh because everyone, every, every single player on that pitch should have done better. And it's, oh, I think it's, yeah. But yeah, anyway, we could talk about it forever, mate. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave that one there. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll close but part ben one Price off there. We'll leave, <laughs> we'll leave these two a little moment to, to calm down. In part two, we'll be looking back at that 2-1 win against Huddersfield. <laughs> Well, Bigger and Ben have had a little time to calm down and, and cool off a bit. And we're, we're talking about Huddersfield now. It was a 2-1 win. And, and Baker, it wasn't glamorous. It wasn't beautiful. But it was three points. And, and that is what was needed after Reading. Yeah, definitely. It was the reaction that you expect. The I think it was 24 shots on target. Um, we looked a lot more ruthless going forwards we looked like a team that actually knew how to play football which was the most important part but yeah it was the it was the exact reaction that I wanted from the team and you know Warnock's come out and said it's the best performance so far this season which judging by how bad the previous performance have been isn't that impressive but yeah, more of a you know, best yeah. of a bad bunch exactly yeah and, and Ben your your take on the game who impressed you the most I think Rolls and Tomlin were the two standouts uh, Tomlin really impressed me for his first start at this level for 18 months, something like that. Looked to pull the strings, looked really determined, looked really fit as well, not just going forward, but sort of... He put in a fair shift defensively. I don't think enough people talked about... He got back a lot and covered into that central... He played more of a central midfield role than number 10 role, I think, at times, and really did well. Um, Rolls, again, just controlled the midfield, did really well. Um I think the one that most people talk about is Murphy. Um, again, it's more of a case of he was he, he manages to be brilliant and crap in one movement. He can do a hundred. He, he can get right to it and then sort of trip over his own feet, and then two minutes later he's doing the same thing and putting a fantastic ball in. It was just he just frustrates me a little bit with stuff like that, and he pulled out of a few challenges especially midway through the second half. I think he's not a physical player. I'm not <laughs> expecting him to two-foot someone and get really stuck in. But I'm expecting him to stand against his man and sort of try and win the ball back. He he backs off players a bit too much. But it was just, yeah, Murphy, he, Murphy again, was the best and worst of, jo- of Josh Murphy last night. I think it's that the the nature of that type of winger in, in some sense, uh, and that's what makes him an exciting player. And he's, he is the, one of the few players in the classroom that really get people up off their seats when he's when he's running with the ball and you know he completed more key passes than anyone else on the field last night uh, that was six the closest were were two key passes uh, but he, he failed to complete a, a dribble or, or, or a take on Baker and was dispossessed seven times so that's something he's got to improve on isn't it 
it's the nature of the beast though scott you know how many times did you see the ball getting <laughs> past to murphy out on that wing you know uh, like the th- murphy has potential to be our best player in this team definitely. yeah definitely. like the price we paid for him and you know that how much the norwich fans rated him when he was at norwich the guy is i look the th- he's at least he's you know, he's got the desire and the actual like determination to actually try these iron robin kind of whipping shots because sometimes <laughs> they go in, sometimes they go 15 foot over the bar. What I don't agree with was at one stage in the game where he beat like two different players and then went for the shot and it went 10 foot over the bar. Fans around me were going, oh, he's shit. Oh, fucking hell, Murphy, like what is like just pass the ball. But if he doesn't shoot, they'd be like, why is he not shooting there? Yeah, I think he's getting a lot of vitriol and a lot of um, criticism because he's just in that position. He's a winger, and a lot of is expected from you in that in that position. I think he was fine. I think he had one of his good games. I think he um, wanted to get on the ball loads, and you know, at least at least he wanted to actually create something. And if you look at his pass for Junior Hoylet's goal, and he skips past three. Huddersfield players in close proximity and puts that ball to Hoylet, how can you come away from that game and say that Murphy is shit? Because players like Harry Kane and, you know, like Bale might have a bad game for 80 minutes sometimes, but then in the 85th, they score an absolute worldie and everyone's like, they're class. Because he's got that quality to kind of have that inconsistency through the game, but then he has that quality to put a ball like that in and create a winner for us. So he also I, I, could have scored after what was it two three minutes when that keeper pulled off a fantastic save. That was exactly. going hell of a it, yeah. It's, it's, hell a of different, a shot. it's a different thing then. Like, like I said, I probably again, I it, it's frustration more that he's capable of a bit more. He's really um, he, he's he's at his best for me when he's sort of going past his man down the line, sticking wide, and not always cutting in. He runs mm. the risk of becoming Craig Noon 2.0 in that risk, that sort of side. He's miles better than Craig Noon, don't get me wrong. But there's that sort of thing of he becomes a bit predictable of get the ball, cut inside, have a shot. Get the ball, cut inside, have a shot. And he, he's he got just as good of a cross. You say he's predictable, though, mate. They, the other teams don't seem to predict very well. He it's sort just of gets he... phased out sort of in the middle of this. He I, see, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's between like the third, like, yeah, I assume you mean in the middle of the game, but then, yeah, where he comes to live is towards the end of the games and the start of games. It's yeah. almost like it's a lack of concentration yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He, he's absolutely a, a confidence player as well, isn't he? Oh, you know, yeah. Early on in the game kind of sets the tone. If he completes a, a take on, he gets, gets a good shot on. First on. Yeah. Yeah. And the crowds get excited. Yeah. If they get on his back a little bit, he, he, he kind of, you know, his head drops a bit. But it, there's that feeling that. He gets a couple of goals or, or a good good couple of games and he could be flying. Oh, yeah, it's definitely. A, I think there's a few players in the team that are sort of in that. I think it's a comp. I do think there's definitely still a hangover from going down. I know the boys gave a really decent account of themselves in the Premier League, but you can. I'm starting to think it hurts a lot more than what we sort of realised. I think they gave it a good go. But I think there's a lot of disappointment in that squad that they didn't stay up. They're still hurting from that. And I still think there are a few games from getting out of their system. There's a few players that need, like like Murphy, need to get a goal to sort of get that out of their system and realise their potential again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as fans, we, we were happy almost to, not happy to come down, but accepting of that and, and kind of were proud of the team for the efforts that they put in. But I suppose you're right, Ben, in that for a lot of those players, it's a dream come true to get to the Premiership. It's what they've kind of played and thoughtful for so long and then to get there it, it would affect them coming down almost feel like a failure to them even if not publicly yeah I think a lot of them felt like they should have stayed up um we all know what happened and the reasons behind some of the reasons behind them not staying up but I think every single player in that squad sort of has come out of that season with a bit more of a drop in confidence than we sort of realized I don't I don't th- I think we underestimated how quickly they're going to get back up to speed of the championship um, and just the morale in the squad. It's easy. It's easy to be positive when you're winning week in, week out, or you've got a couple of results. But most of that season, this side didn't win. Um, they're not. This squad since the Premier League is not used to winning. They're sort of. It's they've got to sort of fight, get used to that again. Yeah, big. And we 
we talked about um, Murphy, and then on the other wing was was Gavin White. And I'm interested in Baker to hear your opinion because I know you've said a few things on 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 Twitter. I'll give you my kind of view first. Was that you know I think he's done fairly well in that you know he's been not been out of this world, but very much you know is adjusting to the to the championship and the work rates there, which I think is is a positive. Um, but I know you've got a few kind of strong opinions on on Gavin White. I'm I'm not like strongly against Gavin White or anything. I just perhaps some of the opinions thing, of the praise of him. Then yeah, it's just it's, I I just don't want our fans to just keep praising players because they've run around like headless chickens. Like at the end of the day, Gavin White misplaced pretty much. Well, I'd love to see a stats of how many misplaced passes he had. You know, he was, again, I don't want to get on his back too much because it's so early in the season. He's a new sign-in, but it was a four out of 10 performance. It was it was awful. And, you know, like the fact that he was starting above Hoylet, to me, is crazy. It's crazy. Um, I wouldn't say I'm like passionately against him now because I would never, ever get on the back of a new player that much. I just think, you know, he lost the ball way too many times. Yes, he was running around, um, in the, which Warnock probably loved. But I just I'm fed up of Cardiff fans in general just praising a player because they've worked their bollocks off. I want a bit more quality in our team, and Hoylet to me should be starting all day, every day over White, and I think he will next game. Do you see that? Do you see any promise in White though? Um, judging from that game, no. But again, like I, you go back to um, how his previous fans spoke about him leaving. They're all disappointed by him leaving. They, they they all mentioned that it was the fact that he was playing in League One was a bit of a joke because he was clearly championship quality. I do have hopes for him, just not high hopes. Like I, it makes me sound like a bit of a. Of a mean person, but I just off the back of the, I off the back of the Huddersfield performance, I just can't see how we're going to get the best out of him because I didn't see much attacking wise. He looked more of a fullback than a winger. Interesting. And Ben Hoylet came on, and you know, guys said there that maybe Hoylet should be starting, but obviously grabbed the goal a bit of bit of luck with the deflection. But you know, from from being the the key manner two years ago, Hoylet seems to have slightly. Not falling out of favour, but definitely isn't first choice in Warnock's plans anymore. I think it's purely because he's not he didn't have a full preseason. He was with Canada, he sort of had an extended break. Exactly. Um I think he's gonna be he's still gonna be a key player. Like he's two home games, an assist and a winner, uh coming off the bench. He I he strangely played in the number ten role when he came on, which I thought was a bit weird. But he actually did alright. But I don't think it's a case of him not being in the plans, I think he's being managed to get the most out of him throughout the season. He's going to be an important player. Uh, Mendes seems to always drift off after September until about April. So you're going to you're going to want you're going to want Hoyler on form. You're going to want him there. I think managing him after he's not had a long summer, but not had a full preseason as well. It's just about it's just about player management. He's going to be important for us. I think all wingers are. I think. Uh, White, going back to White for a second, works hard, but there's a long way to go for him to learn how to play in the championship. There's a long way. His distribution was poor. He he works hard. We City fans have always loved a player that works hard, but he's got a lot to go. Quite a few fans on, on social media were... Um was slightly moaning that that we'd kind of sound white at the expense of of Kadeem Harris, who obviously has had a decent start of the season for Sheffield Wednesday and and scored in in midweek. But I mean, actually, if you saw the goal, he was practically stood on the goal line and it ricocheted off his knee, and it wasn't <laughs> particularly a a goal that made you look and think, "God, I wish we still had him." But you know, Cardiff of you know Kadeem Harris didn't have much of a look in the last two years, and, and White's coming in getting first team football, but. We've got four good quality wingers overall, haven't we? And it's it's how Warnock likes to play, and they're going to be key to any success, Baker. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think we've got a core group of players that, you know, like although we lost, uh, I think it was when Camaraza Arta 
I don't really count Reed because I think Tomlin on form is better than Reed, but and um, Manga as well going. We haven't lost that many players. Um, I think that if we just we just need a t- time to adjust. As as Ben mentioned, it's it's hard to come down to the Championship from the Premier League because whereas you're concentrating so much in the Premier League compared to the Championship. You know, it's just that adjustment. It's a totally different league. There's much less space around. But, yeah, I think we can kick on and do well this season still. And you mentioned Lee Tomlin there. And, you know, Cardiff fans certainly hoping that he'll be important. And, you know, even when Reed was here, there was, the, you know, a lust for Lee Tomlin, I suppose you could say. And, you know, I think he did did really well. Um, there was There was signs, and this might be slightly controversial, at times that he was trying a little bit too hard. He was desperate to get a goal, I think. It's yeah. not, a, not a criticism at all. I, I think he's really impressive. But you know, he took eight shots, uh, and on, I think five or six were from outside the box. And I think that, that slightly stopped us being glancing into the game too much because Tomlin was, and a couple of the other midfields were, were desperate for to kind of pepper the goal with some shots. But Ben overall, on, on kind of his first appearance in 15, 16 months, like you said, very impressive. Oh, definitely. Um, there's a quality player there. My worry with Tomlin is not he's. There's no question his ability. It's whether he's got the mentality to sort of last a season. He's yeah. prone. He's prone to silly red cards. He was prone to sort of losing fitness. He there was a lot of false starts of getting fit, getting in the shape of his career, and then sort of halfway through the season falling off the deep end and just sort of looking like he spent too much time in Nando's. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, it seems to be a mentality thing with him at the moment. He really seems to want it. You could see on social media just how much the response got to him. The fans have really taken to him. Um, I think with players like Bobby Reed, while fans wanted him to do well, we like an outcast. We always have. We like, we're sort of like the land of misfit toys in a way. We like a player that's coming from it. He reminds me in a way of um, totally different sort of players, but sort of similar things of Jay Bothroyd, of yeah. a complete outcast that players of people have written off. But if he's given the chance, I think he could be just as important as Bothroyd, but in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it, I guess, it, like you said, what's most pleasing is that he's he, he's gone through so much. You know, he's. Mentally, he's talking about his struggles with with mental illness, and his fitness has been a a problem. Because it, it it was so satisfying seeing him out there, seeing him getting himself in shape again, getting back on track. And you know, I, I wrote in the analysis today on the site that that's probably the hardest I've seen him work in a Cardiff shirt in terms of closing down. And there's a stage I can't remember which half when he probably first half when he lost the ball. And he tracked all the way back to almost the edge of our our penalty area to try and win it back, and and that was impressive. Yeah, look, um, honest opinion, Lee Tomlin's going to win the Ballon d'Or this season. So, <laughs> um, no, like, I I think everyone when they saw that photo of um, you know him showing that he's kind of trim and in shape, kind of like it was almost like we just signed someone. Um, it yeah. was so exciting. I think ever since then, I think especially me, I'm such a Tomlin fanboy right now, just because I've seen how good he is. You know, even Talksport today um, tweeted that it's good to see Tomlin back. You know, he is widely known in the footballing community as a class player. In the same way, and I hate to say it, Lee Trundle was back in the day. You know, he. Mm. I I hate, I don't agree with the Lee Trundle thing, but it's one of those players who is like below Premier League level that a lot of people are aware of. Pete yeah. Whitnam in the same vein. Um, you know, I think everyone wants him to do well. As Ben mentioned, it's it's important that he doesn't lose his concentration. He doesn't um, get himself in a bad mental state again, because obviously what he was going through was horrible. What he explained. I think he just needs to just kick on and just really keep doing what he was doing against Huddersfield and almost add a new dimension to his game. That whole chasing down, I know you mentioned he was working a bit too hard, but maybe he needs to add that element to his game just to kind of stay fit throughout the season mm-hmm. and ensure that he's able to 
you know, see out the season and like just get, you know, 30 odd games under his belt. I think Warnock's comments after the game were quite interesting, actually. I think he's sort of quick to not. It's um, He said sort of it's 60 minutes here and there. He sees Tomlin's role. And I, to be honest, I don't disagree with that. I don't think Tomlin's going to work in every game for us no. uh, for no. 90 minutes. But I think some fans sort of see his performance and think he's going to start against Blackburn. I don't think he will. I think if Patterson's back, Patterson goes back in. The sort of the home games where he's looking to sort of get more out, be on the ball a bit more and sort of create more and not sit back and just be happy with the point, I think that's when Tomlin's going to come into his own. If people are here, sat here now thinking um, that it's just going to be Tomlin, Tomlin, Tomlin for the next 40-odd games... It's. I think people are going to be disappointed. I think there's going to be cries and outcry on Twitter on Saturday when that team comes out, when he's either on the bench or not in the squad at all. He's yeah. not going to be able to play week in, week out. He's just not. Absolutely. And people sort of need to realise that quite early on. Warnock's come out quick to say that, without while praising him as well. It wasn't a case of, oh, I had to play him, no choice. He sort of joked that that was the situation, but it's not that, but he's not going to be playing week in, week out. People need to realise that from the start. Yeah, I fully expect Callum Patterson to be first choice in that position but all season, but the the important thing and, and what Tomlin brings is that, that option and that creativity when we need to break teams down a bit more and, and we've not really had that. Um, obviously, Camarasa was, but different different league in, in the squad now, we don't really have that other than Tomlin. Um, so it's really pleasing to, to see it. And if we look at the goals... There's not too much to analyse from either Cardiff goal. Obviously, the winner from Hoylet was a deflection. Rawls was a really nice goal, but it was kind of just a, a pump into the box. Not too much. Questions have been asked of, and rightly so, I think of the, the Huddersfield goal. You know, kind of defence stood off. Should Smithies have, have done better? Didn't really close down. Baker, where do you lie on this? Yeah, so I think there's two players at fault for the goal. And I think it's clear as day for me. Uh, yes, Rawls doesn't control the ball properly, which led to um, Shalova getting in possession. Yeah. Um, but for me, the two players at fault, like White stood off him way too much and allowed the shot. So I've seen some people say Morrison's a fault, but there's only so much you can do as a centre-half when your midfield has left that he, much he space for man, someone. White's man to mark, wasn't it? It was yeah. White's man he lost. He didn't it, hit it, him. It, exactly. And I do think there was sooner Shalova kind of gave a little shooting to get away from White and opened a bit of space. I would have liked Morrison to maybe try and get out, at least show that he was trying to get out, but it was yeah, kind of an easy shot to you, get off. You had the left winger then, do you know what I mean? So if, if Morrison commits to Shaloba, then all Shaloba needs to do is, is put a ball over the top and then you've got a centre-half out of position. So for me, Smithy's made a mediocre shot look like a messy masterclass. And, you know, suddenly... Before that goal, we regressed back into red and mode, and that lack, lack of concentration is what worries me slightly. It's, it was just a lack of concentration. Perfect. Well, we're, we're, we're kind of running out of time, so we want to chat about red in, in the next bit. So we'll take a really short break, and then we'll be back to chat against about Blackburn. Sorry. <laughs> Well, ahead of that trip to Blackburn on the weekend, we're getting the opposition preview and we're speaking to Ryan from the Rovers chat. Ryan, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you doing? Yes, not too bad, thank you. Thanks for joining us to give us the uh, the view on Blackburn. And, and going into the game, you know, Blackburn is, is a, a good record for Cardiff. You know, we've not lost you since 2005 and that was in the Cup and Cardiff haven't lost to Blackburn in the league since 1985. So how are you feeling going into this game? Yeah, it's been a bit of a mixed season for us, actually. Um, we started the season with a lot of optimism. It was a really stable summer for us. And uh, in the space of a week, we lost at home to Charlton, um, loaned out Mulgrew out of nowhere, and then had a bit of a defensive crisis at Fulham. And you're thinking, oh, God, lost the first two games. Here we go. Um, but we won the last two, um, Middlesbrough at home and, and Hull away, two ground out, 1-0 victories. So you're kind of hoping we can just carry on a bit of form now after that initial wobble um yeah um you know all teams in the championship rely on their home form um and hopefully we can uh, we can pick up the win but certainly not underestimating cardiff in any way shape or form you know it's a neil warnock side he he knows what he's doing doesn't he so um we'll not be... 
And you mentioned there you've kind of got back to, to winning ways. And what, what are the expectations for Blackburn this season from both from the fans and what, what's the club saying? Yeah, um, I think it's a bit of both. I think there's a realistic expectation that um, playoffs might just be a little bit too far for us. Um, defensively, we've not got a lot of strength and depth there and um, we got found out on the opening day, as I say. So the realistic view is playoffs are probably a little bit too far. But the optimist view, which is one that I tend to go with, is we've got to aim for the playoffs. Um, and I base a lot of that around some of the spending that we've done, um, Sam Gallagher this season and Ben Brereton last season, we spent a lot for a club, you know, with the debts that we carry and um, and uh, for the income and revenue that we generate. And I think the reason we've spent is I think Bradley Dack will go um, either January or next summer. So we've got to make that playoff push whilst we've got Dak because he's absolutely critical to it. So. The optimist view is playoffs. The realist view probably just miss out, I think. And you mentioned there maybe some of the, the debts or financial kind of issues at the club and it doesn't seem too long ago that there was kind of a bit of dis, discontent amongst Blackburn fans, particularly with the, was it the Venkies, the owners? Yeah. What, you know, for, for Cardiff fans who maybe haven't been keeping up to date with Blackburn, what's the current state of the club and what's it looking like? Yeah, um, current state is Venki still own us and they finance us from afar. Um, you know, to their credit, they are regularly footing the bills and injecting money in and the statements that come out via our chief exec is they're committed to the club and want to see the club get to the Premier League. So from that point of view, you know, credit to them. Um, however, you know, there's still a lot of the fans that bear the scars um, of what they did in their early tenure. You know, we were a stable mid-table Premier League club. And within the space of, you know, two years, we were relegated to the championship and did well not to go down to League One, actually, as well. And, um, you know, there's still a lot of fans that do stay away for that reason. Season ticket sales are, are well down from what they were when was in the Premier League. So, you know, there's fans like myself that just, you know, you've kind of accepted our fate now. Um, we've got the financial debt. We are where we are. And you know that, you know, if they were to pull out, we could end up being the next Bolton or Berry. Yeah. Um, and then you get the others who, you know, other fans who really just do not like Venkies at all and would still want them to go tomorrow. Um, we probably all want them to go tomorrow. But I think, you know, there's a lot realizing that who's going to buy us and take on that debt. So, yeah, kind of got to hope that Mowbray can do his thing and, and get us to the Prem and with a bit of Prem money, if that means they then sell and we get a new owner, who knows? And one player that, that Cardiff fans are obviously quite interested in at, at Blackburn is Greg Cunningham, who's, who's kind of come in on loan and I take it he won't be able to play due to due to being on loan and at Blackburn yeah. from Cardiff. But, you know, what has he been so far? I've read that he's impressed a bit. Yeah, excellent. He's um, He's been absolutely solid as a rock. Um you know, left back. Um, we've got Derek Williams, who who was a left back, who now says he wants to be a centre back. So Amari Bell was pretty much in that position, unchallenged, um, really, at the end of last season and going into this season. And Cunningham's come in, and he, he's just a proper fullback, isn't he? You know, he's strong in the tackle, he's physical, he's good in the air, and he can get forward. And um, you know, particularly the physicality and the defensive side, he's um, he's much better than Amari Bell. So, um, yeah, good to have the competition there for Bell to hopefully bring him on. But actually, Cunningham now is, um, I expect him to start the games when he's available. And it's a sh- we will miss him on, on Saturday, I'm absolutely certain of it. And you mentioned Bradley Dack there, who's kind of the the standout player and, and the, the one that, you know, almost the maverick and exciting the fans. And he's the one that I'm sure Cardiff fans will be most aware of. But Beyond him, who are the who are the dangerous men for for Blackburn? Yeah, um, although we've not seen it too much this season, um, Adam Armstrong, I still think will have a good season this season. Um, just pure pace um, in behind the defence. Um, that doesn't sound good for Cardiff with our slow <laughs> defenders. Yeah, he um, he's he can get in from from left or right. He tends to be from the left, so we'll be looking for that ball in behind and him trying to break the offside track. And I don't know if any of you your fans caught the game on um, on Tuesday night when it was on TV, but um, he was caught offside quite a bit trying to get in behind. So Armstrong's pace in behind certainly a threat, and he's got a good finish on him as well. Um, another one to watch out for is um, Lewis Travis in centre mid. Um, he emerged from our youth academy and really broke through last season. And 
probably the first name on the team sheet in centre midfield now. Um, just a real tough tackler, real good engine on him. Hopefully this season he can add a bit of box-to-box, you know, a few more goals to his game. That's what I'm hoping he can do with with someone like Bradley Johnson alongside him, just to give him that licence. But yeah, just a real dynam- dynamic midfielder. Probably similar to, um, you know, Harry Arter, who you had last season, you know, that type yeah. of, of centre mid. And Tony Mowbray, obviously an experienced manager, two very experienced managers going head-to-head in, in Warnock and Mowbray. What's like on, on the field? You know, what should we expect from Blackburn in terms of style of play and stuff like that? Yeah, um, well, <laughs> that's, that's a good question for us, actually, because um, Mowbray started before the season saying, you know, we're going to change our style, go to a more expansive um, front line, because last season it was very much about the Danny Graham as the big man up top with Bradley Dak off him and getting Dak in close to Danny Graham. Moby said he wanted to change that this season with um, keeping some forwards wide like Adam Armstrong or, or whoever, like I've quoted. Um, we had those first two losses um, and Mowbray went back to the drawing board uh, against Middlesbrough at home, started Danny Graham up top, had Bradley Dak off him uh, in the Carabao Cup as well. We were 1-0 and 2-1 down to Oldham and he went to that type of model as well. Um, so I think he'll go back to that on Saturday with it being Cardiff with it being a worn up side with it being a physical game I'd expect Danny Graham to start he didn't start against Hull Graham up top Dak off him um, probably another steady Eddie and Stuart Downing in and around as well for the experience um, just for another workman-like performance maybe go for the 1-0 win again Bergen, Ryan before we let you go what was your score prediction for the game? Uh, I think it'll be a draw. Um, I'd like to predict a win, but we have a habit of when we're going for three wins on the bounce, sometimes we can just buckle and, and not get the uh, and get the results. So I think one all. Um, I think Cardiff will cause us a few problems. Um, will Volks taking a long throw in onto Aidan Flint's head is scaring the bejesus out of me. <laughs> yeah, I do think you'll cause us some problems. Hoylet's coming back to Ewood Park as well. So, yeah, I think a one all draw. Perfect. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for uh, for joining us tonight and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. No worries, Andrew. Thanks very much. Well, after those three points against Huddersfield, Cardiff are back on the road and, and a visit to Blackburn away, battle of mid-table, 11th against 12. And Baker, you know, it's hard to read against the Championship, but the records are on Cardiff's side. They've not lost to Blackburn since 2005. Five wins from f- and four draws from the last nine against Rovers. And how do you see this one going? Yeah, we can always pick out stats like that. And they're always interesting to hear. But for me personally, they never mean anything. Because I support Cardiff. And Cardiff are just mm-hmm. the, the masters of surprising you. So, um, yeah, we the, the odds are in our favour. I think we are definitely the favourites, um, personally. Not in terms of odds or anything, just my personal opinion. Um, yeah, I can see it. I, I'd want to win out of this. I'd want three points. And, and Ben, for you, how, how do you see this one going? Um, I think it's going to be quite a scrappy sort of affair. Um, oh, I, watched yeah, them on, I watched them on Tuesday against Hull. They've, they, they've got some solid championship players. But I don't think there's too much to not to worry about. They've got players like Bradley Dak who can create. I mean, there's a quality midfield player that should be playing for a team at the very least pushing for promotion. Tomlin-esque back, back, uh, Bradley Dak, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a fair comparison. And you've also then got wise old heads. You've got Danny Graham that will seem, well, you just know he's going to pop up and do something. ex Swansea player. Um, you've also then got um, Stuart Downing, who actually did really well against Hull, sort of looked like he was up for it, could get still get down the pitch, which I was surprised at. They're a solid mid-table championship team that um, are going to cause a bit of bother, and really, we're going to have to work well to get something out of it, but we should with the quality of our team. Yeah, when I was looking at kind of our past record against them, and the last time we played them was, was 2016-17, because they, they were obviously relegated down to League One in in uh, in seventeen eighteen, sorry, in twenty sixteen seventeen, we played them, and in March it was one one draw with Kenza Hall goal, and, and in August we we won two one with those two Shane Duffy own goals, which which really made me smile. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I remember that. Was, that. 
An incredible <laughs> performance. Best, best performance ever. He was our he was our top goal scorer for th- uh, three weeks after that as well. <laughs> That's just how bad it was on Toronto. Cardiff legends. Cardiff legends scored two goals and got sent off. Brilliant. You couldn't, you couldn't write it, <laughs> could and, you? And was our top scorer till the middle of October. <laughs> and, and looking back at this season, like I said they beat Hull one 0 on on Tuesday. Uh, lost to Fulham 2-0 and Charlton 2-1, but they did beat Borough 1-0. They're kind of trying to find their, their feet a bit and their consistency, um, but you know they're showing that they can pick up points and you know Borough and Hull were, were two, get two decent wins for them, Ben. Yeah, um, you've got a wise old head in Tony Mowbray as well. Uh, they're going to look, they're going to try and be one of the teams that sort of the dark horse that sneaks into the playoffs. That's sort of their aim this year. Um but it's 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 a hard one to judge. We're not exactly playing great ourselves. We could be in that exact same position if we carry on the way we're going. They they're looking for a they're looking for a top mid top end mid table finish really, and they're going to really sort of cause us. They're going to be hard to break down. Hull struggled. Um, I know they missed a penalty and possibly could have had another one, but they're a solid team that aren't going to sort of play amazing football. You're not going to see in sort of full and eighty percent possession. It's going to be quite an even sort of battle. Yeah. But they're not going to be easy to break down. We're going to have to start being clinical. Glatzel's going to have to finally sort of get a chance. Oh. And sort of, yeah, he's got to. He's working hard. He's he's working hard, but now's the time in these sort of games where if he's going to prove to be worth that five million, this is the sort of game in a game that could very well be a scrappy one nil win where he needs to come up with the goods. And big, what's I mean, we we could have should have chatted about this in the Huddersfield section, and I agree, Glatzel. Kind of needs to to grab a goal, but what needs to change in this match for you know? To me, it seems Cardiff aren't bringing him into play enough. There's a lot of long balls, and he's winning aerial duels. But mm. you know, against Huddersfield, the three most passes to him were Rawls three in from inside his own half up to the other half from Smithies, and then from Sean Morrison. So he's feeding off scraps a bit. So what needs to change for him to to grab a goal and for Cardiff to win this game? Well, yeah, Tomlin put that ball in as well, bear in mind, which Glatzel controlled really nicely on his chest and then hit it about 60 feet over the bar. But, you know, <laughs> Glatzel has a ruthlessness that we never saw in Zahor, for instance, and uh, even when Zahor was on form. Like, Glatzel seems to just want to get involved a lot more. Yeah. At one point against Huddersfield, he was chasing down the ball in the left-back position when he lost it. Could you imagine Zahor doing that? No. no, he'd so, still be on the pitch catching his breath now. Exactly, yeah, still to this day, it's refre- look. It's refreshing to see that, to be honest. But do we want a striker that loses a ball that much in the first place? Because he is quite wasteful at the moment. But look, from what I've seen of him, he's more than a big lump. Uh, more than a big lump up front. He looks very comfortable playing in a confined space, which guys in a league like the Championship with spaces at premium is quite encouraging. But he yeah. just he quite he plain and simply needs that goal just to start his season off. And for me, um a game like Blackburn, he shouldn't be starting. Just hear me out, because at the moment we're expecting too much of him because mm-hmm. he's starting every game. I think Chuck Vassell up front and then ease Glatzel in thirty five minutes for a few games, because I think people are less likely to get on the back of a striker who comes off the bench. And then at least he can kind of ease into the team rather than just being like, right, mate, score 20 goals a season, cheers. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what people are expecting yeah. of him. It's probably not a centre-back's sort of ideal thing as well. You've got Vassell running at you for 65 minutes. You're absolutely knackered. And then yeah. uh, Warnock brings on this six foot five sort of bloke who's not yeah. just good in the air but can also play with the ball. Um, I think the big thing we're not doing with him is getting the ball to his feet. That's the one thing we're not doing. We got one ball to yeah. feet where Tomlin did it, and to be honest, he probably should have scored. Yeah. But if he, if he had if he had had a goal before uh, the Huddersfield game, I think he tucks that away. He just needs that ball to his feet a bit more, and I think we'll get the goals from him. He's got a wicked shot on him. Yeah, um, so, uh, yeah. He, he can almost just create so much power in his shots with with very just little zero left. space. Yeah. There was yeah, that exactly. one against Reading, which, which yeah, which kind of got tipped over, but it was a fantastic shot from. You know, not much backlift on it. Uh, yeah, as Ben said, there he needs the ball to his feet more, yeah. and I just think a bit less pressure because I de- I do genuinely believe he's twice the player as a whore. Is um, it's just um, there's a I think there's a lot of pressure on him right now. Yeah, I agree. It's link up plays encouraging though. I think looking at the the you know I'm going to look at stats again because because that's the type of guy I am. But his you know <laughs> his link up with 
with other players was was encouraged against Huddersfield's you know five passes to Tomlin in, in and around the box and five to White again in and around the box so he's he's doing that link up play well but that that goal kind of needs to get him up and running and boys we're running out of time so I want to get your score predictions really quickly for the trip to Blackburn Baker we'll start with you uh, I'm going to go with Blackburn one Cardiff two Graham with a goal for them and Tomlin and Murphy with a goal for us Perfect. Ben what about you I'm going to go for a scrappy one nil to City uh, sort of flint, sort of header in the box. Definitely, definitely mine scrappy as well. I want to add that in. It's one hundred percent going to be a scrappy game. Yeah, I'm going to go for a for a one-one draw. I'm going to be pessimistic this week, and, and we've not talked about uh, in the week we're facing Luton again in the cup, and you know we didn't really have time, and it feels like we've talked a lot about Luton recently. But very quickly, boys, I want to get your score prediction for that as well on Tuesday night in the League Cup, Baker. I'm going to go with a Luton win this time, mate. I think um, Luton definitely have some quality in their team. Collins up front. I think they're going to want a cup run a lot more than us. So I'm going to go with uh, 1-0 Luton. Ben? Um, I'm finding it hard to care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mate. A league cup this early on against a team we've just played a couple of weeks ago. I'm insulted you've asked us, Scott. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I forgot. I generally forgot we're playing them on Tuesday night. So um, I did until I literally just Googled it two seconds ago. I didn't want to be accused of, you know. <laughs> yeah. You put together this run, Scott. I did, um, I did. Yeah. God. <laughs> I'll go one all and then Luton to win on penalties. I think we're going to play a reserve team. I don't. I think it's going to be a lot of players that haven't had minutes. You're going to look at someone like Vassell starting, Volk's getting 90 minutes. That's what it's going to be more than anything. It's going to feel like a pre-season friendly. What about you, Scott? I can go one nil win, Volk's winner. I'm going with that. I'm confident. That'd be nice. Well, boys, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. Hopefully that's a good listen for everyone and uh, we'll catch you both soon. Absolute pleasure, boys. Speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to The View from the Ninian. We hope you enjoyed that podcast. And quick question. Are you subscribed to us on your favourite podcast platform? If you're not, please go and do it and make sure that you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. We'd also appreciate if you left us a review. It really helps us grow the podcast. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram and Facebook as well. And you can find great written content, including an interview with Cardiff Star Striker, new signing Robert Glatzel this week, on viewfromtheninian.com and catch us on Twitter at VFTN Ninian. That's VFTN Ninian. Come on, City.